Can I be incredibly honest? I've had something on my mind this weekend, this week, and, and I think it pertains to what we're talking about this morning in this series, what we've been talking about for about a month. Sometimes I have thoughts and feelings, intuitions, desires that frustrate me and confuse me, thoughts and desires and intuitions Feelings that I wish, frankly, I wish I didn't have. Thoughts and feelings and desires that are contrary to what I believe. Thoughts and feelings and desires that are contrary to commitments that I've made. Am I, am I alone in that? Aren't we all like that? I don't know what goes on in your mind, but don't we all have moments and we think to ourselves, why is it that I think that? I've made a commitment to this person, and yet, here's the thoughts that keep invading my mind. I, I, I want to do this, and I want to be this way, and I want to live this kind of life. I believe these things, yet I still have these feelings, and I have these desires. You know, all of that, all of that goes right hand in hand with what Proverbs is all about. Twice in the book of Proverbs, they repeat it so that we get the point that there is a way that seems right to a man or to a woman, and the end thereof is what, church? Death. There's a way that seems right to us. There's a way that looks right and sounds right and feels right and something we desire and we think about, and it may even seem logical or reasonable. But the end is death. I mean, that's the whole story of the Bible is that human beings, human beings have this, this innate ability to choose the wrong path. This ability to think we know what's good and right and pure. You remember, I mean, it goes all the way back to the garden, doesn't it? And Eve saw that fruit and it looked, it looked good. And she wanted it. She said, it'll taste good and it looks good and it'll feel good and I will be wise like God. I want to seize control of the knowledge of what is right and wrong. I want to call the shots. I want to make the decisions. But human beings, even at our best, even at our most logical and most reasonable, even when we seem to have great gut instincts and great intuitions, we are horrible moral compasses. Our thoughts and our feelings and our desires are horrible moral compasses. I'm not making a judgment on you. I'm making a judgment on me. I'm telling you what Scripture says. That Scripture says we have this tendency to be foolish. Oh, we make some good decisions sometimes and we make some wise choices sometimes, but our common sense commonly gets us in trouble, doesn't it? And the thoughts and the feelings and the desires we have sometimes are in conflict with each other. Someday we're thinking this and the next day we're thinking that. One day we're feeling this and the next day we're feeling something totally different. They're contrary to not only each other, but they're contrary to the commitments we've made and the things that we believe. And so one of the things we're saying when we say, I want to be a Christian, is to say, I am not a good 
moral compass. My mind and my heart are not a good moral compass. I need a shepherd. I need a guide. I need wisdom from above. I need to follow the Father that has the knowledge of good and evil. I need to follow the Son that is the embodiment of God's wisdom. This spiritual, this spirit-infused scripture. I need to write these things on my heart and my mind. I need to be shaped by this. Oh God, I'm so confused. Tell me what's right. Tell me what's wrong. Tell me how to walk. That's what it is to be a Christian. And we're looking at these Proverbs because that's exactly what it's dealing with. Is to say, if you, if you really believe that God has committed all to your salvation, then you ought to commit yourself to Him. Commit yourself, in part, to wise living and letting Him teach you what is wise. And so we've been looking at these different areas of our life, and this morning I want to look at another area. First, I want to share with you this statistic, this anthropologist named Robin Dunbar. He said that based on his research, based on the size of the human brain, and Yours is probably bigger than mine, but that's another issue. So based on the size of our brains, human beings are capable of having about 150 relationships of varying degrees. So all of us, average, have about 150 friendships or relationships with people we feel fairly connected to, and all of those exist to varying degrees. For instance, the closest level has room for about five people. So in your very closest circle of friends, you got room for about five BFFs. Do we still say BFFs? I don't, that might be weird. I don't know, but we have room for about five really close relationships. And then on the next level, there's room for about 10. So there's about room for 10 people that exist on that kind of next level that aren't your closest friends, but they're still fairly close. And then the next level, about 35. And then on the next level, about 100. So a total of 150 relationships in our life. And, we, and that sounds pretty accurate, doesn't it? To me, it does. It may to you, it may not. But, but we have varying degrees of relationships. Some people we're very connected with. I mean, they are, they are close. We can tell them our deepest secrets. We can share with them our deepest fears. They share with us those things. We, we call each other or text each other or, you know, all the other ways we communicate now. But we, we, we're, we're very, very connected to some people and to other people that, they, they're just people in our life. We, we like them. We say hello to them. We know their name maybe, but they're not as close as other people. And, and friendships exist. Relationships exist in our life for, for various reasons, right? Some people you have a relationship with simply because you work in the same workplace. And so you know each other and have a relationship based on your proximity of your work location. And other people, you have a relationship because you're next door neighbors. And other people, you have a relationship because you're classmates. And other people, you have a relationship because you were born into the same family, for better or worse. You know, so, I mean, you, you have all of these different relationships in your life. And here's something that we know, that there are few things that affect us the way relationships affect us. There are few things that make us who we are the way relationships make us who we are. You are who you are in part because of the people you've spent time around your whole life. <laughs> who you are up to this point has been dramatically influenced 
by the people you've known and spent time with and been in relationship with up until this point. And the person you will be a year from now or 10 years from now will be dramatically influenced by the people you have spent time with, the people you're spending time with now, and the people you will spend time with. And if there is something in our life that, that important, that affects us on such a deep level, then we ought to, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, ought to be committed to navigating those relationships with the wisdom of God, right? Because you have a tendency and I have a tendency, human beings have a tendency to just go through life and this is one of those areas that we go through life and we kind of make a mess of stuff because we lean on our own understanding. And if we're going to interact well with everybody in our life, I'm not just talking about romantic relationships or friendships, I'm talking about everybody with whom we interact, then we have to say, I'm committed to doing this and navigating this area of my life with the wisdom of God. So let's look at some of the Proverbs, and obviously we can't cover everything Proverbs says about relationships, but let's look at a few of them together. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 4. I'm surprised a little bit how often Proverbs makes this point, okay? Proverbs 19 and verse 4. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. Now, notice one thing is the plural and the singular. You see, wealth brings many new friends, plural, but a poor man is deserted by his friend, singular. That a poor man, he may only have one friend and things get even worse and even that one friend tends to abandon him. Now, now here's one thing we need to understand. Sometimes the Proverbs are descriptive, not prescriptive. You know what I mean? Sometimes they tell us the way things are or the way things tend to be, not the way things should be. They tell us how people tend to operate, not necessarily how they should operate. And we can read this and we can say, yeah, but I don't do that, Wes. In fact, I was tempted to not even bring this up because I think, you know, none of us would say we do this. Wealth brings new friends and poor people lose their friend. I mean, we don't have friendships with people just because they have money, do we? We don't make friends with people and stick around people just because they have wealth, do we? I mean, we may look at that and say, some people do. In fact, most people may, but I don't. (laughs) But somebody is, right? Because this is still true, isn't it? Even if you look at it and you say, well, I don't necessarily do that. Somebody's still doing that. In fact, most of us could look at that and say, most people, most of the time, generally speaking, Rich people tend to have no shortage of friends. Rich people tend to have crowds around them. Poor people, maybe not so much. Why is that? And take a look at your friendships and your relationships and the people that you spend time around. Do you tend to value and surround yourself more with people that have or people that don't have? Do we tend to value And this is what it gets down to, isn't it? Do we tend to value people differently who have money versus people who don't? Do we tend to make assumptions about people who have money and assumptions about people who don't? Do we tend to think that it's better to be in a relationship or a friendship with somebody with money versus those who don't? And maybe it's not... Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's how somebody dresses or what they drive or where they live or 
or maybe it's how they look. Do we tend to value people who are, at least by some standards, beautiful more than we value people who aren't? Do you tend to value people who are beautiful or rich, who live in your neighborhood, who drive the same kind of car or live in the same kind of house? Do you tend to value certain people more or differently than you value other people? Now look at another passage. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 20. The poor is delight, disliked. The poor is disliked even by his neighbor. So the neighbor of the poor despises and dislikes him, but the rich has many friends. So again, same point, but look at the next verse, verse 21. Whoever despises his neighbor is a what? Sinner. But blessed is he who is generous to the poor. If we are going to be wise people, if we are going to be followers of Jesus, people who are shaped by Scripture, people who are shaped by the Spirit of God, people who follow Jesus' wisdom embodied, then we have to first admit our tendency to play favorites. We have to admit our tendency to value different people differently. We have to admit our tendency that we tend to value certain people more than we value other people. And then as followers of Jesus, we've got to stop it. Amen? We've got to stop playing favorites. We've got to stop valuing people based on how much money they have or they don't have. We've got to stop valuing people based on what they look like or not looking like the standards we've set for what people should look like. We've got to stop valuing people or disvaluing people based on how they dress or the car they drive or the house they live in. We've got to stop making assumptions about people and valuing people the way the world values people. You see, because our book... Our story, Scripture, the story of Jesus teaches us why we value people the way we do and why we should value people the way we do is because every single human being is God's image bearer. Their creator is your creator. The one who created you and loves you loves them. And if we are going to be wise people and we're going to interact wisely in the world, then we have got to be a people who don't show favoritism, period. We've got to be a people who value all people as God's image bearers. Not just your next door neighbor, not just your your spouse, not just your children, but the people you're at Walmart with or Target with and the people you drive with on the tollway. You've got to look at them, value them. Stop disvaluing them. Stop despising them. Because the wisdom of God says that if you despise your poor neighbor, you are being rebellious. You're sinning. You're transgressing. God expects those of us that are committed to wise living to value every single human being, regardless of their net worth, regardless of how they'll help or hurt your social standing because you're friends with them, 
Regardless of how they look, regardless of what they wear, regardless of what they drive, regardless of what neighborhood they come from, regardless of any of those superficial external things that the world tends to look at, God expects his people to value everyone, to see them the way God sees them. Do do we understand that God loves our enemies more than we love our friends? God loves our enemies more than we love our friends. God made every person just as he made you to bear his image and bring him glory in the world. So when we come across another human being, we interact with another human being. If we're going to be wise, then we have to value them and treat them well. Look at Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24. Slightly different point here. Proverbs 18 and verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I mean, this goes back to what we said in the beginning, doesn't it? That most people in our life are merely companions, right? And that's okay. I mean, most people in your life, you know them kind of, you know their name, you say hello when you see them at Walmart, you, 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 you wave to them, you, you like them, you, you're glad that you have a relationship with them on some level, but they're just your companions. And when things kind of fall apart, you're not really there for them because you don't really know their needs and you don't really know their name and you don't really know much about them and you, you don't really have that kind of a relationship. And there's a lot of people in your life like that. That you have lots and lots of companions, people you go to church with, people you go to work with, people you go to school with, and you may know them and you may like them, but there's not really that depth of relationship. Most people in our life are like that. But there are friends who stick closer than a brother. That when everything else comes to ruin, when everything starts falling apart, they're there for you. They are there for you. And all of us want that, don't we? We all want that in our life. We want someone to have our back. We want someone to be loyal. We want someone to stick closer to us than a brother. When things fall apart and all the companions go away, we want a friend. But often we don't have that friend because we haven't wisely cultivated those relationships beforehand. We haven't spent time building those types of relationships, investing in other people. See, because we've got to be that kind of a friend, don't we? Because this type of relationship, this type of depth of loyal relationship, it goes both ways. And if we want to have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, then we've got to be a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We all want someone that's going to have our back when the chips are down and when things get hard. We want somebody that's going to be there for us. That begins now, when things are okay, building these types of deep relationships so that you are more than a companion in some people's lives and that there are people in your life that are more than just a companion. But we have to be intentional about that, don't we? As we said from week one, you can, you can accidentally be foolish, but it takes intentionality to be wise. We've got to be intentional about building these types of deep relationships with each other so that we have a friend who sticks closer than a brother and so that we are a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let's look at another passage. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, 
but the companions of fools will suffer harm. See, here's how friendship works. We tend to be friends with people who value what we value. We tend to be friends with people who are chasing what we're chasing, who enjoy what we enjoy. If you enjoy Texas football, then chances are you're going to be attracted to and build relationships with people that really like that too. If you like knitting, then you're going to build relationships that like knitting. But what if? What if your, your passion, what drove you from day to day, what you were seeking like your life depended on it was wisdom. What if you were the kind of person that sought wisdom like your life depended on it? Not just, not just wisdom in a philosophical sense, not wisdom of the world or wisdom of the age, but the wisdom of God. And then you found other people, like the people in this room, who value that wisdom and who are also seeking that wisdom. If you are intentional about gathering around people who are seeking what you're seeking, and when you're seeking wisdom, and you build these types of relationships, what does the text say? When you walk with the wise, you become what, church? Wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. And none of us think our friends are fools, right? I mean, you, you, if you're a parent, you probably think your kids' friends are fools, but you don't think your friends are fools. Nobody thinks their own friends are foolish. We always say, well, my friends are great. They're enjoyable. They're fun. And we like to be around fun. I love fun people, don't you? I mean, it's enjoyable to be around people who make you laugh and that you make them laugh and you have this enjoyable relationship. But sometimes, in addition to being fun, our friends can be fools. When we say fools, it's in a spiritual sense. And that they're living their life following their own heart. They're living their life following their own thoughts, their own intuition, their own logic. And from a worldly standpoint, they may be making some great decisions, but they're not seeking the wisdom of God. And your destination is affected by the people you surround yourself with. And if you are a seeker of wisdom, then surround yourself with seekers of wisdom. If you know that Jesus is wisdom embodied and you're seeking Jesus and following Jesus, then surround yourself with fellow disciples of Jesus because that's the way to end up in a place of greater and greater wisdom. But when we surround ourselves with people that are following their own thoughts and following their own heart and following their own logic and following their own intuition, not only will they suffer harm, so will we. Let's look at another text. We'll end with this. Proverbs 11 and verse 25. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. And I mean, on a, on a certain level, that's generally how relationships work, right? You bless someone else and they enrich your life in return. You water them and they water you. Sometimes that's how relationships work, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes the blessing that you give isn't reciprocated by the person you gave it to. Sometimes you try to water someone's life. You see they're dry and parched and they need growth and life. And you try to water them and help them and bless them. And in return, you get nothing. Sometimes that happens. But the text doesn't necessarily say that they will bless you or that they will enrich you or that they will water you. 
Sometimes the enrichment comes simply from the act of blessing someone. God will enrich you. Jesus will enrich you. The Spirit will enrich you when you decide, when you're committed to being a blessing to people in your life. When you decide, I'm going to water, I'm going to bless, even if it doesn't look like that person will reciprocate it, I'm going to bless them anyway. I'm going to enrich their life. I'm going to water them. And it's a guarantee God will bless you when you live that type of spiritually wise life. See, how you conduct yourself in friendships and the people with whom you are friends, it's affecting you on a spiritual level. How you're treating your spouse and your kids and your neighbors and the people on the tollway with you and the people at Walmart with you, how you're treating your coworkers and your classmates, it's affecting you. It's affecting your mental state. It's affecting your future mental state. It's affecting your future spiritual state. Wherever you're headed, here's what I want to stand with. Wherever you're headed, your friendships are helping you get there. They're already helping you get there. If you're using people in your life to help your social standing be better or whatever you're using people for, it is affecting you and it will affect you. If you're valuing people based on what they look like or how they dress or how much money they have, it's affecting your present and your future. If you aren't forging deep relationships, if all of your relationships are superficial and shallow, it's affecting your present and your future. If your companions are fools, it's affecting your present and your future. Here, based on the text, I want to give you three commitments that we should make if we're pursuing wisdom. Three things from the text we read this morning. Number one, value everyone. Value everyone. See in others what God sees in them. Image bearers of God. Value everyone. Two, develop real friendships. Your deepest friendships. If that statistic in the beginning is right, you only have room for about five. Your deepest relationships develop with wise people, people who are seeking wisdom, not perfect people. You're not perfect and neither are they. But there are some people in life who are seeking the wisdom of God and there are some people who aren't. Forge your deepest relationships with people who are seeking God's wisdom. Number three, bring a blessing wherever you go. Decide I will bless everyone that I value, and I value everyone. Decide, I will be a blessing, and know that God will enrich me, and God will water me, and God will take care of me, and I will develop real, deep, meaningful relationships with people who are seeking God's wisdom. So again, wherever you're headed, your friendships the way you're treating people and the people who you're making connections with. Wherever you're headed, your friendships are helping you get there. So that's why I want to encourage you, these people in this room, for the most part, you, you share your imperfection with them. Every single one of us are imperfect and broken and forgiven by God, and that's why we're here. But we're also here because we're seeking the wisdom of God. 
develop real friendships with these people. That, that's why it's, it's great to come together and this is good and important. And when you leave in a second, you're going to shake each other's hands. But do more than just say, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Do more than that. That's why we have Geo Church tonight. That's why we have life groups. That's why we have Bible classes. That's why we have youth groups. That's why we have small Bible studies. Is so that we can build these relationships with each other because wherever we're headed, our friendships are helping us get there. We don't just put stuff on the schedule because that's what churches are supposed to do. We put stuff on the schedule because we care about each other spiritually and mentally and emotionally. And we want you to have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We want to have friends that stick closer than a brother. We want all of us to be seekers of wisdom, God's wisdom. And we know, and you know it too, don't you? That wherever you're headed, your friendships are helping you get there. Let us be your friend. Let us hear what's on your mind or on your heart. We can't know unless you tell us. Let us journey through life with you. You can come forward when we sing this song or in a second our shepherds will meet with you in my my office in the prayer room. Let them pray with you or find somebody else in here and start cultivating this kind of relationship so that we all become wiser people who are followers of Jesus who is wisdom embodied. If we can help you this morning, come forward as we stand and sing.